Good morning. Thank you. Uh, if you have your Bible, go and grab those. Today we'll be out of Proverbs chapter 3. I'm using the New American Standard Version. If you're curious, if you do not have a hard copy Bible, there should be one directly in front of you. As for the scripture today, this is the second of our two-week pause from the Gospel of John. We will begin John 7 next week. But since January 1st is coming very rapidly, and we finally close out the year of 2020, and I think we will all say amen when December 31st goes past us, and I'm getting a bunch of nods in the room. But, but today, I really want to see in Proverbs chapter 3 is Solomon has a fireside chat with his son and provides him sound wisdom before his son goes off on his own. And this wisdom provides his son with peace. And that is what I hope that we have in 2021. Notice Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. He says this, Solomon says, My son... Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways Acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise then in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe His reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Amen. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than fine gold, sweeter also than honey from the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them thy servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Equip me of my hidden faults. Also keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I shall be blameless and be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, this is the echo of my heart. Lord, that your word this morning would be made clear. It would change our lives. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would take your word, drive it into our hearts and minds and into our feet to let it change our lives. Lord, we are distracted by so many things. We have so many priorities. But Lord, I pray that in our lives that you would take precedent, that we would follow you, that we would walk by the Spirit, that we would love you, love others, and make disciples. Lord, give us a life that loves your word, that loves you. Lord, allow it to change our lives this morning. I pray that Proverbs chapter 3 would not be a passage that we just know better, but that it would give us wisdom on how to find peace and joy in this life. And Lord, I pray that it would be effective for our lives both today and forever. 
That is my prayer. Lord, forgive us of our many faults. Forgive us of our sins that we all have. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, at this time of year, right before the New Year's, we begin thinking about changes that we would like to make. We tend to put forth, you know, new dreams, new goals, new hopes. And we call them what? We call them New Year's resolutions. So this week I looked up on the internet. You can believe everything you find on the internet. I'm just kidding. Uh, so anyway, don't, I didn't say that. Okay, sometimes there needs to be a filter put there. Um, but anyway, so this week I found the top ten New Year's resolutions that people make. Number one resolution is to exercise more. That's why the gyms are packed until February. Okay. Number two resolution is to save money. Number three is to eat healthier. Number four is to lose weight. Number five is to reduce stress. I could use that one. Number six, we get more sleep. Number seven, stick to a budget. Number eight, focus on spiritual growth. Number nine, to travel more. And number ten, to learn a new skill. Now, I would imagine in years past that at least one of these has rung true, and perhaps you're thinking about making a change in one of those ten areas. Yet, what is the one thing that really needs to change after a year like 2020? What is the one thing that we really need more than all else after a year like this past one? A year that has just been absolutely insane. Can I get an amen to that one? I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would have a year of my life like this past one. I mean, a year that the world ran out of toilet paper, okay? Uh, A year that masks became a fashion statement. A year when masks are now the norm. A year that we have the inability to distinguish truth. A year that we experience the torment of quarantining. The fear of the unknown, the closure of restaurants, and after a year like 2020, what do we really need? Perhaps above them all, above eating healthier, above all these New Year's resolutions that we like to make, make, perhaps we need peace. But friends, let us not chase the world, let us not chase the standards that other people have, but rather let us chase the standards and the goals that God gives us found in His Word. Perhaps this year and moving forward, after a year like 2020 and 2021, that we have peace in this world and in our personal lives. Perhaps the resolution is to find peace in this world and in the year to come, but where do we, where, but where do we find that? Where do we look for peace in the midst of a chaotic year that we experienced in 2020? Where can we find peace and prosperity for 2021? Let us not put our hopes in the latest trends or in people that have great promises such as politicians or athletes or let us not put our hope in a stimulus for this year to come, whatever that is. Let us find peace in a different source. I believe today that we can find our peace in Proverbs chapter 3. It is a chapter that Solomon gives his son on how he can find peace and prosperity in the midst of the chaos and conflict of life. So if you have your Bible, turn in those to Proverbs chapter 3. And today we will unpack from verses 1 through 10. 
Now, very quickly, before we really dive in too deep, I, I would like you to crawl inside of the mind of a preacher for just a moment. A, uh, I, ha- I had this idea. I knew I kind of wanted to talk about something to look forward to in the year to come. So preachers kind of, when they have a topic or an idea in mind, they kind of come up with a three-point outline, and that's kind of what I did for this morning. I had this, this wonderful sermon in my brain. That's not from Proverbs 3, but the sermon that I had in my brain was that we, in the year to come, that we should look back, that we should look up, and that we should look forward. That we should look back at 2020, remember the lessons that we have learned, we should look up to God and worship and glorify Him, and that we should look forward, putting God before us for the year to come. And that's a wonderful sermon, but there's this one slight problem with look back, look forward, look up, and look forward. The problem is, is that there's no passage in the Bible that says that, okay? So I was, I looked kind of all over, especially the Old Testament stories, for that particular three-point outline, and I could not find one. So instead of uh, manipulating a text to say what I want it to, today I'd rather just preach the text itself. What does the Bible actually say? Because when I take the scripture, when I force upon it what I want it to say, what am I really saying? What am I really doing? I'm diminishing the value of the scripture itself. And what am I really doing when I force the scripture to say something it does not? I am saying that my idea for the Bible is greater than what God has unfolded for us. So today, instead of preaching a three-point sermon on looking back, looking up, and looking forward, which is a good principle in theory, today I'd rather just say what the Bible actually says. So that's what we plan to do in Proverbs chapter 3. Today we're answering the question, in 2021, how can we find peace? And what I see in Proverbs chapter 3 is that Solomon gives his son four principles to find peace and prosperity for his life in the future. Now, to very quickly orient us to the context of Proverbs, I, I, whenever I do a one-off sermon, I like to kind of place us in the context of the book itself. If you're familiar with the book of Proverbs, what is it? It's a book of wisdom, right? It's a, if you read it, there's a lot of pithy sayings, little, little wise sayings that Solomon gives in the 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs. And, and it's written by the most wise king to ever live, But within the context of Proverbs, Proverbs chapters 1 through 7, where we are today, Solomon, what I I see in the image I have in my mind is that Solomon pulls his children aside in Proverbs chapters 1 through 7, and what I picture as Solomon's fireside chat. He gives his sons and his children last bit of wisdom before they venture out on on their own. You notice, and if you know anything about Proverbs 1 through 7, Solomon gives his sons wisdom on how to avoid the traps of the wicked, how to avoid bad company, how not to fall prey to lust, the wisdom of working hard, how to acquire great wisdom in their life. And in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, Solomon, in that same fireside chat, I picture Solomon pulls up a chair and he tells his child, before his child goes off into adulthood, he gives his child a 
few pieces of advice on how to find peace and prosperity in life. Notice what Solomon does. He introduces this question in verses 1 and 2 of the third book of Proverbs. Solomon says, My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life in peace they will add to you. Now, I'm going to pause right there. I want you to notice something about Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Solomon here, in these two verses, uses a pattern. And he, what he does is, is you, Solomon introduces a pattern in verses 1 and 2 that he repeats then again in 3 and 4, 5 and 6, 7 and 8, 9 and 10, and 11 and 12. So what I'm going to do is, I want you to notice the pattern that Solomon introduces in verses 1 and 2. I'm going to reread those two verses and see if you can spot the pattern that Solomon uses. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Now, what's the pattern here? Now, if you, if you notice, right, there's, there's a couple that kind of stand out from verses 1 and 2. We see the primary command, right? So, my child, do not forget my teaching. And then we see a promise that if his child keeps his teaching, what happens as a consequence? For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So if his child keeps his commandments, they will add years of life and peace. But there's something kind of tucked away in there that if we're not careful, we can kind of skim over. You see the command, but then notice the second real phrase. But let your heart keep my commandments. What is that? That's a how-to. So Solomon gives the primary command, the how-to keep that or do that command and then the promise if his son obeys that. So if his child will obey and remember Solomon's teaching that he will have long life and peace. Now, from uh, an exegetical level, we have to make a decision real quick. There's a couple different ways that you can interpret this passage. You can see verses 1 and 2 as one principle three and four as a separate principle, and so on and so forth. You can see there are six different principles, or what I think is really going on here, what a lot of scholars actually struggle to wrestle with, is that what is the relationship, the question is, what is the relationship between verses 1 and 2, and then 3 through 12? What's the relationship between verses 1 and 2 and 3 through 12? What I think is this, and, and you can disagree with me, that's okay, and I'll probably hear it in the hallway, and that's fine. Okay, it's, it's cool. So, so what I think in verses 1 and 2 is that Solomon is introducing kind of the umbrella statement, a, a header statement, so to speak. And in the verses below that is the teaching that his son should remember. Okay? So, verses 1 and 2, Solomon says to remember his teaching. In verses 3 through 12, that is the teaching he wants his son to remember and that will bring him peace and longevity. Notice verse 3 in the first principle for peace in the year to come. Do not let kindness, my son, and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. 
In 2021, how can we find peace? Principle number one is basically to be kind. It is to be kind. The first principle that Solomon wants to remind his child of before his child goes off on his own is to be kind, to not let kindness and truth leave you. But but how, how does being kind and living by truth give you peace? It takes a lot of energy to be mean to people, right? It, it, it doesn't... Okay, if anybody's ever been rude to your spouse or your child, right? Okay, we've never done that, right? Of course not. I'm glad my wife's not in here this morning. She's up there with taking care of my children. Thank you, wife, by the way, if you're tuning into this. Okay. So, but what, if you're mean to somebody, what does that always cause? It always causes more conflict. So Solomon here is telling his child to not let kindness and truth leave him. But the word behind kindness there is the Hebrew word chesed, which means loving kindness. And then notice the second adjective. So he says, or a noun, I should say, do not let kindness, loving kindness and truth leave you. But, but how do they do that? How do they always abide? And all, how do they always have love and kindness towards other people? It's, what does it say? It says, bind them, around, bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. So how they do that, how they have kindness and truth, is they bind them around their neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, in this culture... In the Hebrew culture, what was kind of thought to be the center core of somebody's being was kind of right here. That this lay at the centerpiece of someone's character and hope and personality. So what is Solomon really saying to his son and his child before they venture off into a new year, into a new transition? He's saying what? Let loving kindness and let truth be part of who you truly are. To let the truth that you have learned be absorbed into your personality, into your heart and your mind, and exude that throughout the rest of your life. And then notice the results. So we have the command, we have the how-to, and then we have the results. And when his son has kindness and truth, he says, you will find favor with God and with man. So allowing truth, allowing kindness to constantly be shown to people around you, what's going to happen as a consequence, not only will you have peace with the umbrella statement of verses 1 and 2, but you will also have favor with God and with man. And practically speaking, we know that to be true. We know it to be true. Just think about life for just a second. That if we are always truthful, then what do people know? That we are going to tell the truth at all times. That's going to cause you to be to win favor. Okay, go with me on this illustration. How many of you have ever known somebody to constantly lie? Okay, so what's your natural reaction to that particular be? You kind of... You kind of step away from it. You don't have favor. You don't build that relationship. You actually walk away. I had this, uh, there was an elementary school, I won't give any names just because he watches this broadcast, but I kind of doubt he does, but moving on. I had this uh, boy when I was in elementary school, his name was Daniel, and 
I, I probably remember him best out of everybody for whatever reason. But I remember he always used to brag about, you know, how his, you know, cousin was Hakeem Olajuwon, if you remember him, and how his uncle was Michael Jordan. And, you know, I'm 12, so I, I, what am I thinking in the back of my mind? Okay, this kid is lying, right? I mean, <laughs> and he has all these little things that he knew everybody, like the President of the United States can't go, whatever. And I, what do you do when somebody's not truthful? You just kind of walk away. So we know it practically speaking that if somebody is rats, truth around their neck that we win favor but also it's the same with people being kind that if we are constantly kind to people we will win their favor friends if i can just say it this way in 2021 let us be kind let me say that again in 2021 let us be kind Let us love people, even if in our own eyes they do not deserve it. Because this world is full of mean people. Can I get an amen to that one? We saw that in 2021, that a lot of people don't buy, don't make part of their being kindness and truth. Where do they make part of their being? They make selfishness. And inconvenience is a problem that they want their own desires so much, in fact, that they would be unkind and unloving towards other people. And what do we always do when people are mean to us? We always distance ourselves from them. The world is full of unkind people. If you've ever worked retail, then you know that to be true. If you've ever worked with customers one-on-one, then you know kindness is not a natural attribute to human beings. I remember working in Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I talk about that all the time, and I used to be a manager, and I used to have employees that would say, Byron, angry customer on line one, bink. So then what I, I picked up the phone, and there would be lots of colorful language on the other end. And I quickly realized after three years of working that the people really aren't naturally very nice but friends that is not the case for us as christians what is the command that we should have that we should love god and love our neighbors as ourselves? that we should allow the truth and kindness to become part of our being that no matter how we are inconvenienced no matter how grumpy we are that we would show kindness to people in our family and beyond But then notice the second principle that Solomon gives his son beside the fire before his son or child goes out on his own. Verse 5, trust in the Lord. Notice the all caps, Lord there, that is the Hebrew word Yahweh. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. In 2021, how can we find Peace, number one, by being kind, and number two, by trusting God. Now notice here, it's the same pattern that we had in verses 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. You have the main command to trust in the Lord. That word trust, that word he, the Hebrew word behind that, gives the idea of trusting something in the midst of conflict. That you would trust a wall to protect you from your enemies. So here he is saying that trust in the Lord with all of your heart, even in the midst of conflict. So put this together. It's really trust is tested when we're down in the valley and not on the mountaintops. 
Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And how do we do that? Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And we have the result that He will make our paths straight. But I believe verses 5 and 6 also fit under the umbrella of verses 1 and 2, that if his son and child heeds his command, his teachings, and if his son really trusts in the Lord, not only will God make his way straight, but also that his son will have peace. But is that true? Is it true that if we truly trust God, that we will have peace in life? Think about it. I remember as a kid, as a child, during Christmas time frame, we used to drive to Houston, Texas, and with stops, because there were five kids in my family, we would, it would take us about 14 hours to drive to Houston, Texas, and I remember those trips rather fondly, because as we drove, I got to watch Toy Story, I got to sleep in the back, and when I would wake up, you know, we would be at Houston, Texas, and no problem, right? It was, there was peace. Why? Because I trusted my parents to get me there, so I had no pressure whatsoever. But now, as a parent, being in charge, I see things very differently. <laughs> okay, as a parent, if you have young children, how is it traveling with them? It's only a little bit stressful, right? Because you are in charge, right? You have to worry about food, about gas, about money, about clothes, about diapers. And why is my two-year-old named Olivia? Why is she crying when we're only 30 minutes into the trip? You know, we have to worry about suitcases and iPads and sunscreen and toys. But as a child, if you trust your parents, there is a level of peace that you have. I believe it's the same with God, that if we truly trusted the Lord that we would not be as anxious. Why? Because we would realize that He is truly in control of our lives. Friends, whether we like to admit it or not, whether we see it or not, whether we're wise enough to take a step back and look at our lives and our circumstances and all the things that are going on in our life, whether we like to admit it or not, God is in control and He deserves our trust. And oftentimes the consequence... And I'm speaking to myself at this exact moment. Oftentimes the consequence of not trusting the Lord is confusion in the path that you should walk. And also stress and anxiety. But Lord, but friends, the Lord is worthy of our trust. Why? Why should we trust the Lord? It's because of His character. What is God? We know that He is Good. We know that He is perfect. Matthew 5.48, we know that He never changes. Hebrews 13.8, we know that God is love. 1 John 4.8, we know that God is in control. Psalm 135, verse 6, but so many times we do not want to trust the Lord, and then we end up being anxious about everything and confused on the path which we should walk. And I'm speaking more to myself at this particular moment. Whether we like to see it or not, if I could put it in an illustration for us this morning, God is in the driver's seat of our lives. And if we are fortunate, we are sitting in the front passenger's side. 
And God is driving the course of our life and the course of the world towards His glory. And as we saw in Luke chapter 2, that God even uses heathen Caesar Augustus to fulfill His purposes. So God is orchestrating our lives and the events of the world for His glory and for His fame and for His purposes. And God is in control. He is driving the car of our lives, if we'd like to admit it or not. And let me just go with that illustration for just a second. If we don't really trust the driver of the car, what is the most annoying thing in the world to a driver? It is somebody who thinks they know how to drive a little bit better than you. We call that a backseat driver. Okay, I'm getting some nods and no no nudgings, okay? All right, there's a little of these. So, but that's us and God. That God is, if we don't really trust him. We don't really see his character, that he is good, that he is in control, that he wants our best interests in mind. But instead, we're sitting in the passenger seat of our life, thinking that we're in the driver's seat, and we're constantly yapping at God about how he's not holding up his end of the bargain. And then we do worse. What's the most dangerous thing to a driver? It is pulling the steering wheel in the direction that you think we should go. That is the same way we do with the Lord. What Solomon is telling his child is that his child wants peace and direction for the future. If you're sitting here this morning and you're at a crossroads and a fork in the road and trying to figure out what way the Lord has you to go, then maybe you should trust in him. How do we trust in him? By not leaning on our own understanding in all our ways, acknowledge him. But then notice the third principle that Solomon gives his son for peace. Verses 7 and 8, do not be wise in your own eyes, but rather by fearing the Lord and turning away from evil. Notice that phrase, notice the correlation there between wise and fearing the Lord and turning away from evil. We'll talk about it here in just a minute. And then notice the result, it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. How can we find peace in 2021? Be kind, because being a jerk is much more stressful. Anyways, number two is trusting the Lord. And then number three is by being humble. What is he really saying here? He says, do not be wise in your own eyes. What is Solomon telling his child before he goes off into the world? Do not think you know it all. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but rather what? Just be humble. And notice how he bees, he bees humble. Okay, terrible grammar there. How does, notice how he becomes humble is by two things, by fearing the Lord. Now, I would like to talk about that real quick. I think we kind of dumb that down a little bit, that we think that, you know, fearing the Lord uh, just means that we respect Him. And I think that's part of it. But I think there should be a level of fear, that we, like true fear that we have of God. Because notice the kind con- of fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So there's kind of a correlation there that if we really fear God, what will we do? We will turn away from evil. Now, if you were like me growing up, then I was absolutely uh, terrified of my father. Okay, I don't know if you had, my dad was a very loving father, he was a great dad, but I was absolutely terrified of him, okay? <laughs> so, so what did that cause me to do? To obey and not do what I wanted to do. And Solomon is basically saying here, son, be humble, realize that you don't know everything, and rather, fear the Lord, and because you fear the Lord, turn away 
from evil. And then notice the result of his son is humble and fears the Lord and turn away from evil. Verse 8. For this will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Wait. Notice the physical side of verse 8. Notice, notice what it, he's not saying you will heal your heart or heal your mind or heal your spirit. He's saying, son, if you're humble, if you fear the Lord, and you turn away from evil, then what happens? It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. What does that sound like? That if we avoid sin, then it will physically bring us healing and life. And we know that to be true. Can I just... I'm stepping on all sorts of landmines this morning. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe just in my own life. Okay, I'm going like this, stepping on my own toes. Okay. I think, if I can speak plainly, I think we have a very uh, mild view of sin. And we have a very mild idea of sin. That, and we should view it this way, don't get me wrong, but that we view our sin through the blood of the cross and that because Christ has come and because he has died, that if we confess our sins, he will forgive me of my wrongdoing. But it's because of that, we think then that sin doesn't really oftentimes matter, that we can do a little bit of wrong and that because we are saved, which we are, then it's okay if we sin or we do a little bit of darkness in the closets and But sin here, we know sin has a consequence. And yes, that through the blood of Christ that we our sin is forgiven. But sin is serious. That we should not have a flippant attitude about doing wrong. I mean, why else would Jesus come and he die? If sin was, wasn't a big deal, then why would Jesus come? God sees our sin, even if we are Christians, as a big deal. And because of that, we should avoid it at all costs. But we forget a lot of times that sin has consequence. Yes, if you're a Christian, that you were saved by the blood of Christ, that no longer you are declared innocent, you are declared justified through the blood of Christ, if you're a believer in Him. But do not be mistaken that sin, lust, greed, envy, covetousness, being rude to your parents, stealing... Not honoring the Lord, making graven images, all these things, they still have consequence. What does the scripture say? Psalm 32. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained as with the fever heat of summer. So, according, if you kind of pair those two together, Psalm 32 and also Proverbs chapter 3, then we know something to be true. That sin is a big deal. That it does have consequence, even though our sin has been paid for by the blood of Christ, both past, present, and future, that if we continue to walk in lust, in greed, in envy, in all these sins, that it will have consequence. And let's just say it this way, if I could put it in modern day terms for you, that we know sin has physical consequences. We know it. Inherently. I want you to think about musicians that were in the 1960s and 70s, okay? Think about a guy named Keith Richards, okay? How does he look right now? He looks like he should have died 40 years ago, right? Well, why? It's because he 
lived a life of sin. Here's what he's known for. We know it to be true that if we sin and if we walk in envy and lust and covetousness, if we worry about our flesh, we know that it will not bring life to us, but actually death and consequence. And so Solomon is telling his son, who's about to venture on his own, he's saying, be humble, know that you don't know everything, and oh, by the way, be, be afraid of God and afraid of sin, because if you are, it will bring life and refreshment to your bones. So how can we find peace in 2021? Principle number one, be kind, trust God, be humble, and then notice the final one that I will have time to talk about this morning in verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord, again, all cats there from your wealth, and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. How can we find peace, verses 1 and 2, in this life, to the teachings of Solomon and the teaching he gives here in principle number 4, is to put God first. But specifically here, Solomon says to honor the Lord, Lord covenant-keeping God, Yahweh there, how is he supposed to honor the Lord from his wealth? So a son who's about to venture on his own, honor the Lord from your wealth. How does he do that? From the first of all your produce. So let's put it in modern day terms. So but the time you get paid, when the harvest comes in from the first, set aside the best and first crops, and notice of all, notice that word all of your produce, So what is he saying to his son that when you get paid, when the harvest comes in, set aside the first and the best of all of the crops that God has blessed you with. And then notice the results. Verse 10, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. So if a son honors the Lord with the first of all his produce, then his barns will be filled and his vats overflowing with new wine. So what does that sound like to me and to you? It kind of sounds like the prosperity gospel a little bit, that if we give to the Lord that He is then obligated to give us in return. Now, uh, let us not run from the text. Let us not run from what God has actually unfolded to us in Proverbs chapter 3, 9, and 10. Because sometimes preachers, and even myself, are afraid of being accused of being the prosperity gospel, that if I give to the Lord, then he will give me 10 in return. And so we run from that idea so much of the fact that we betray what Solomon is actually saying here. Because what is Solomon actually saying? That if his son gives, honors the Lord from his wealth by giving him first of all his produce, that the Lord will reward him as such. So what am I really saying? This is, this is the difference between what I'm saying and the prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel says that if I give $10, then God will or God must give me $100 in return. That is the idea of the prosperity gospel, that, that somehow God is obligated, because I'm a good person, God is somehow obligated to give me tenfold in return. And that is foolishness. Because what is that gift motivated out of? 
is motivated out of selfishness. That if I give, then God is obligated to give me tenfold. But that's not what Solomon is saying here. What is, what is Solomon telling his son before his child goes off on his own? He's saying, honor the Lord, not for what you get in return, but because you love and you honor him as such. That's the difference here. Prosperity gospel tells me that if I give to God, he will give me in return. But, the, but that's motivated purely out of selfishness. But here, Solomon is saying, just honor the Lord from your wealth because you love him and you want to honor him. And, friends, let's just, let's not run from the text. Because I believe that God wants to give his children good things. James chapter 1. Now, will he give us 10x in return in our money? Well, if you notice here in Proverbs chapter 3, that God does not return the money to his son in the form of wealth, but in the form of wine and having his barns filled. But I believe the Lord would like to reward us for honoring him, but maybe not in the way that we would want him and obligate him to give us. How can we find peace in 2021? My point today is that as we go into December 31st, as we go into a year, past a year that has just been uh, terrible, and I hope it, this year, this past year is forever erased from the history books, but it'll probably be the opposite, actually. Um, we're all looking at our lives. And we're all looking back at this past year. We probably could all think of ways and things that we would like to change about ourselves. But friends, let us not resolve just to lose weight or to eat better or to smile more. But let us rather obey the scripture which he has unfolded for us here this morning. Let us resolve rather to be kind, to trust God, to have favor with people. And let us... Put God first. So this is my application for us here this morning. Is in 2021, I just, you know, I would like us to put all four of these principles into action, but I know us that we will struggle to remember these four. So this is what I want you to do in 2021. I just want you to pick one. Just pick a principle, right? Just pick a principle that Solomon unfolds for us in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 through 12. Just pick one. If you are struggling to have favor with people, if you're constantly butting heads with, with people around you, then what does that probably tell you? It means you're probably not being kind and truthful, right? So maybe you should resolve in this next year to be kind and truthful. If you are struggling with direction in the future, then maybe we sh- you should pick trusting the Lord. If you are, are struggling with sin then maybe we should pick being humble and fearing the Lord. And if we're struggling financially, maybe we should pick to put God first. My question is, is which should you choose? To look at your life, look at the issues that you're facing in your day, and which of these principles will you pick to apply in the future in year 2021? You know, uh, being a preacher by trade is not um, the easiest profession, if you haven't figured that one out by now. But I've, I've lost more hair in the last three years, and that's evidence of it. Uh, but, I mean, one of, the, one of the things about being a preacher is you really can't preach the God's Word without having a level of self-examination. 
And I realize in my own life that uh, I could probably work on all four of these principles. And I would imagine if my wife was sitting here, she would nod her head very politely. You could work on all those, Byron. Uh, But really the one that really stands out to me to apply in 2021 is just trusting the Lord. Because as a consequence of not trusting the Lord, there's a level of stress, there's a level of anxiety, there's a level of mystery, there's a level of wandering in the wilderness, looking for the path that the Lord has lain. This year, basically, I am resolving to trust the Lord, to not be the backseat driver of life, to constantly tell God that you missed your turn, or, hey, slow down, Lord, what are you, where are you taking me, where are you going, what are you doing? Because so many times in life that we are constantly badgering God, wondering what He is up to, wondering what He is doing, instead of just patiently allowing God to drive us to our destination. My question for you as you go into the future is if you would like peace in this life, then we should apply all four. But really, just for the sake of simplicity, I would encourage you just to pick one. Either be kind, trust God, be humble, or to put God first in this year to come. Because I I pray that we, those that are hearing this message, whether online or in the overflow room or here in this room, I pray that we would be different, that we would not just blend into this world, but that we would be lights in the darkness, that we would not blend, that we would be ambassadors for the gospel through our word and through our deed, and that we would exude kindness in a world of conflict, in the world of J-E-R-K-S, jerks. I pray that we as Calvary Bible Church, that we would trust God, not jerking the wheel in the way that we would want to go, but rather trusting God with all of our heart because we realize God to be a good God who wants our good. Let us be humble. Let us fear God. Let us live pure lives, conscious of our sin, walking close to our perfect and pure Father, And let us put God first in everything. Let us put God first in everything. Let us put God first in everything. Not just in our money, not just in what our resources, but in our lives, in our marriage, in child raising, in our job, in our passions, in our knowledge. Let us resolve this year to be kind, trusting, humble, and second to God in every way. But a lot of this is nonsense. A lot of this makes no sense if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as I've already mentioned, that your sins are forgiven through the blood of Christ, that we know that through the book of Romans and far beyond, that if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you would come to Him, realizing your sin, realizing that you cannot save yourself, realizing that there is a problem in life that you cannot possibly solve, that if you would come to Him and believe in Him, that you would have eternal life. What does the scripture say? 
It says a lot of things, but for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For all of sin falls short of the glory of God. And John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe it in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If you have never placed your faith in Christ Jesus, if you've never been changed, if you look inside your heart and your soul that there's something off, there seems to be some kind of empty feeling that only God can fill, then I would encourage you to come to him and believe in his name. Every Sunday morning I share the gospel. This is because I want one... If you, ha- if you only come here one time to Calvary Bible Church, that you n- not only walk away hearing the scripture, but you also walk away hearing the life-giving good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that in him and in him alone do we have life. We look for life in so many areas. We look for things in this world to satisfy only our needs that God can fill. I would encourage us as Christians to find in God the satisfaction that we have. And for you that do not know Christ, that you would find the satisfaction of His Son in eternal life. Bow with me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Uh, Thank you just that we can gather together. Thank you for all those that are tuning in online those that are just home and safely and wisely hunkering down to avoid exposure. Lord, pray for protection for all those there. Lord, I just pray that you would grant us wisdom for the year to come. Lord, we do not know what it holds, but you do. And Lord, we trust you that you are a good God that loves us, that gives us good things, that you have never changed, that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow that you are in control of all things. And Lord, I just pray that we would truly trust you, that we would seek you, that we would fear you, that we would put you before ourselves in every area of our life, and that we, this next year, that if we apply these four principles, Lord, I pray that we would have peace and longevity. And Lord, that, that the anxiety and stress of life would be vanquished and that we would place our hope and our faith and our trust in you, who is the author of all things, the creator of all things. And Lord, I just thank you that we worship a God that is great and that does not shift, that does not have a shifting of shadow in the slightest, and that you give us good things. And Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that we would trust you in the year to come. And I thank you for the celebration of Christmas, that we can remember your son coming to earth. And Lord, I pray that we had a good Christmas, one that was probably not too restful, uh, but Lord, that it was glorifying to you and enjoyable. And I thank you for today and for your word and how it gives us life and instruction. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.